Hi guys, welcome to The Headphone Show. My name is Andrew, and today we're going to talk about the Audio-Technica ADX5000 Open Air Dynamic Driver Over-Ear Open Back Headphone. This headphone comes in right at around $2,000, so it's a flagship headphone, so let's take a look. Once again, this review is made possible by the guys over at headphones.com. I'll leave links to the ADX5000 below as well as a link to the community forum. Just like with my other reviews, we're gonna go over the build quality, design and comfort, and then we're gonna talk about technical performance, so that's detail retrieval, speed and dynamics, soundstage and imaging, and timbre. And then we're gonna talk about tonality and frequency response, give a couple comparisons, and then ultimately give a conclusion as to whether or not it's worth it. And in this video, I'm gonna do a little bit differently. I've been doing numerical scores for my written reviews, and so I'm gonna add some of them to the video as well. Well, just keep in mind that for the conclusions, I do weight the score, so not everything has the same weighting. I do care about certain things more than uh, I care about other things, but you may have a different weighting for what your preferences are and for what your requirements are, so just keep that in mind. All right, so to begin with, let's talk about what this comes in. This is the case that this headphone comes in, and this literally is a suitcase, if you can quite see this. I'm just gonna open this up. You could probably take this on a plane and nobody would really know that you're carrying headphones in there, which is kind of cool, but you can also carry whatever else in there if you wanted to. I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of the cable because I think, once again, it is a little bit too long. I leave this part coiled so I don't use all of it. It's not super stiff like other cables are. It doesn't keep its shape as strongly, but it's still not my favorite. I really prefer the cables that come with some of the Odyssey headphones, actually. For the connectors on the cable, this is uh, a unique system. It reminds me a little bit of the MMCX connectors, but I think this one, they call it the A2D. C connector, which I haven't actually seen this before. I don't know how successful you'd be at finding aftermarket cables to replace this one with, unless they're made specifically for this headphone, which maybe there would be. But in any case, uh, I do like the system. It's a very simple and easy to use system that just sort of snaps in. You just push it in and then it, it stays there and it's not too difficult to remove either. In any case, let's just throw this over here for now and get that out of the way and talk about the headphone. It's important to note that this headphone is 420 ohms, so it does take quite a bit of power to drive. And I like that. I like that this is a headphone that will actually make use of the various amplifiers and source equipment that people have been acquiring, audiophiles have been acquiring over the years. For build quality, design and comfort, this feels reasonably sturdy, but at the same time not particularly premium. There is a certain amount of what I can only really imagine is, is a plastic material here on the sides, uh, but really there's not that much material in general because so much of it is open. There's sort of this honeycomb grill here, and actually you can actually see through the driver here to, to the outside. So there's really not that much material, and this makes it uh, very light. I think this comes in under 300 grams, so that's really nice. There's a little bit of swivel here, which is all you really need. You don't need a ton, and a little bit of tilt. Uh, however, I do find that this headphone does have a little bit of clamp force that is a little bit strong for me. You do have an extension for the arms here, which feels very satisfying, and this feels like it's solid. This doesn't feel like it's going to wear out anytime soon. And the top headband is this sort of felt material with a big space in the middle. 
and that means that if you have really nice hair, you don't have to worry too much about ruining it. Of course, I don't. I have terrible hair consistently. But when I put it on, it is reasonably comfortable, but I find that there's just a little bit of extra clamp force at the top of the pads. I think people with larger heads like mine may have a bit of an issue with that, but I think that will also go away uh, as the pads wear in a little bit. The pads themselves are very uh, cushiony. They're very soft. I really like these pads. They're large in diameter, so part of your ear doesn't, you know, touch the pads as much. And I, I really like the way that this feels. It could have had a little bit less clamp and maybe that'll lessen over time. But for the most part, yeah, it gets a pass there. So for build quality, design and comfort, we're giving this an eight out of 10. All right, so let's talk about technical performance for this headphone. And remember, this is an open Mac dynamic driver headphone. The driver is using a tungsten coated system. The idea is that it adds extra stiffness and rigidity to the driver, meaning that it does a better job of detail retrieval and is also able to reproduce those higher frequencies as well. For detail retrieval, this reminds me very much of the Sennheiser HD800 and HD800S. So it is not, you know, exceeding its price bracket. In fact, I think this is maybe a little bit overpriced for where the detail retrieval here is. But I have to say that actually in the mid-range, the detail that I hear out of this is better than what I was expecting. I think it's better than the rest of the, the frequency response. And I think it's better than its competition just for the mid-range though. For the treble, um, as we'll talk about with the frequency response, it does have crazy amounts of resolution up there, but I really think that the internal detail retrieval, what I call internal detail retrieval, is best in the mid-range. And once again, I think it's actually very close to that of the HD800S. So for detail retrieval, if the Focal Utopia is a 10 out of 10 and the ZMF Verite is like a 9.5 out of 10, I'd give this a 9 out of 10. It's a little bit behind the super flagships, but it is still very, very good. For speed and dynamics, this is a very tight sounding headphone, very similar again to the HD800S. I think maybe not quite as well defined in the bass, but that also has to do with its tonality. And for its macro dynamics, so that slam or punch or impact, uh, I find it to be, once again, maybe a little bit better than the HD800S, but also still behind the Focal Clear and a lot of those Focal headphones that punch a little bit harder. So for speed and dynamics, I also give this an 8 out of 10. For soundstage and imaging, this is a lot closer to the HD800S compared to the Focal Clear. This is a very spacious and large presentation, but not quite on the same level as the HD800S. It doesn't have quite as far uh, a throw. Uh, I find that the soundstage is laterally very well defined, and then as it comes forward, there's not as much depth forward in front of me, even though there is good depth left and right. So it does actually sound like you're sitting at a concert several rows back, but not as far back as something like either, you know, the HD800S or the ZMF Tour or one of those, you know, crazy soundstage headphones. While the imaging is very evenly placed and it fills in the whole stage, I do also find that it's not quite as surgical and well-defined as some of those crazy flagships like the Focal Utopia, but I do think that it is still one of its strong points here. So I'm gonna give the soundstage and imaging an 8.5 out of 10. For timbre, that's actually the category where I'm gonna take some marks off of the ADX5000. There is a little bit of an artificial edge to certain tones. Uh, not a lot, not enough where it intrudes on detail or intrudes on any of the music that you're listening to, but it is something that is noticeable. So, in fact, I think this may be more noticeable for anything that tokens uh, upper mid-range, lower treble frequencies, or also treble frequencies, but that is also one of the areas where I do hear quite a bit of detail. So it might just be the trade-off that's required to get this headphone to have as much detail as it does. In fact, there are times when the ADX5000 sounds like one of those high-end planar magnetic headphones. It reminds me of the timbre that's going on for some of those, which is different from 
those more kind of laid back and natural sounding headphones like the ones from ZMF. For timbre, I'm gonna give it maybe a seven out of 10. Now let's get into frequency response and tonality. Once again, if anybody is new to frequency response or wants to learn more about how this stuff works or what it means, uh, check out some of the links below where you can become an expert on the, on the way headphones measure as well. This way what I'm describing here will start to make a little bit more sense. This headphone, while it does have quite decent bass presence, is a little bit more counterclockwise tilted, so that means it's a little bit brighter than I like. There is a decent amount of bass presence here, even though it does roll off at a similar range that many open-back dynamic driver headphones do, but I find that there's a little bit more bass presence here than on the HD800S, and the only issue with it is that it's not as well-defined as it could be as some, you know, very linear planars that extend all the way into the bass down to like 20 hertz. And so yeah, for the ADX5000, I wish that it was less of a, you know, slow roll down into the mid range and more of a defined kind of shelf there that comes down at around 150 hertz. But for the most part, the bass level and the bass energy is at a good spot for this headphone. It's not too much, it doesn't sound boomy or bloated or anything like that. For the mid-range, uh, once again, that is where I hear the best detail here. So if you're listening to orchestral music and there's you know some cellos and violas and violins and there's a big orchestral swell, that stuff comes across wonderfully here. Uh, it's a little bit elevated there at around like 1K hertz, and there's a bit of a dip there at around like between 500 and 600 hertz. But I don't really find that that's all that much of a problem. It's not really all that noticeable. Uh, and then there's a little bit of a cut there in the upper mid-range. And then that's where the interesting stuff starts to happen with this headphone. At around 7K hertz, at least on this rig is where it shows, there is a, quite a strong elevation there into the treble. But interestingly, this demonstrates that it's possible to have a bright headphone, a counterclockwise tilted headphone for the frequency response, that is not fatiguing, harsh, or piercing sounding. And that's a really interesting quality. It's able to be a bright headphone, but it still retains decent tonal balance. And by that I mean the various different frequency ranges are appropriate for each other. And so while it does elevate quite strongly in the treble, it's not a crazy peak like certain other more fatiguing headphones are. Uh, this doesn't sound particularly sibilant, it's on the right side of that, and that's also, again, because it's a little bit more of a gradual presence there, not this, you know, sharp kind of thing that maybe something like the DT1990 Pro has, or some other bare dynamic headphones like the T1. So this is still smooth, but it just has tons of air. I mean, this is called the open air headphone and they're not lying about that. This is one of the craziest amounts of air that I've ever heard in a headphone that still manages to retain tonal balance. And so overall for the frequency response, you know, it, it might not be as appropriate for younger audiences uh, maybe in like 20 years this would be, this tuning would be totally fine for me. <laughs> but for most everybody else, I think this is actually going to sound pretty darn good. There's quite a bit of resolution and it just, it feels like, you know, the veil has been lifted on all of the music that you're listening to. Uh, and so it is still very good. So for the tonality here, I'm going to give this an 8.5 out of 10. And because I do find the tonality here to be pretty good, I don't think there's any need to EQ this apart from maybe a down shelf there at around 7k uh, by like 2 dB at most. In any case, let's do a few comparisons here. Compared to the Sennheiser HD800S, this to me sounds like a somewhat smoother HD800S with more treble energy and more air. And then it also has a little bit better bass response, uh, not as well defined as, again, planar magnetic headphones in the bass, 
certainly not as well defined as the higher end ones. It does a very similar thing to the HD800S with being this crazy open sounding headphone. And I think that's a good thing. Once again, for detail retrieval, I think it's pretty close. I don't think this exceeds it, at least not for internal detail retrieval, but it may give the perception of better resolution just because of how much air it has up top. And then compare it again to the Focal Clear, which I, I think both of those, the HD800S and the Focal Clear, are this headphone's direct competitors. I think that this has, again, similar detail capability as the Focal Clear, but the, the stage here is much bigger. So everything is positioned a little bit further away from me with the ADX5000, uh, certainly laterally a little bit more, whereas with the Focal Clear, it's a little bit more intimate and towards me. The Focal Clear also has a little bit more bass presence there, so if you want something that's a little bit more agreeable for a wider range of genres, that's a little bit more fun sounding, uh, the Focal Clear, I think, is absolutely going to be that headphone, whereas the ADX5000, I think, is going to be a little bit more appropriate for classical music, jazz music, acoustic music, the kind of stuff that I like to listen to. And so for me, you know, I, I, th I think I would probably gravitate more towards this one, although keep in mind that the Focal Clear also has better slam and punch and impact, so I think it really depends on what you value most. Uh, there's certainly a lot more air on this headphone, it's just crazy. Once again, compared to the ZMF Verite, yeah, that's a very different headphone. That one is a much more, you know, warmer sounding, kind of more downsloped headphone that doesn't have quite the same amount of air up top. But I do think that the ZMF Verite is a little bit more detailed, has better dynamic impact, and the stage characteristics when using the universe pads are almost a little bit more kind of 3D. You know, I'd like to compare this to other headphones around this price range, like the Head Audio Headphone, but for detail retrieval and textural nuance and all that stuff, uh, yeah, the head audio headphone is just far superior. But the thing to keep in mind is that this is a much, much, much lighter headphone. Uh, you know, this is like a third of the weight of the head audio headphone. Really, I don't think it's a fair comparison at all. Uh, so at the same price, like if you want strict, you know, crazy detail capabilities, if that's your main priority, yes, the head audio headphone is still the benchmark there. And I don't think this competes. Uh, once again, I think this competes a little bit more closely at like $1,500 to $1,700. And the reason why you might pay more is because of the design here, the, the you know, crazy lightweight nature of this headphone. You know, this is a headphone that I think grows on you a little bit. It's something where at first I was like, nah, this is too bright. And then I realized that it's doing something new. It is demonstrating that you can have a headphone that's both bright and balanced at the same time. Everybody seems to be going for this idea of warm yet detailed, warm yet highly capable. And while that's something that I really appreciate, I think it's worth remembering that not all brighter headphones are this sort of crazy peaky fatiguing thing. I think one of the worries about brighter headphones that steered us in the direction of this warm yet detailed preference is that brighter headphones have this sort of harshness to this or this fatiguing nature that's the result of you know, these peaks that exist in many Bayer Dynamic headphones, for example, or other headphones that have issues with sibilance or anything like that. And the ADX5000 demonstrates that that isn't necessarily the case. It doesn't sound bothersome the way that some of those other headphones do. In fact, this doesn't sound shrill in places where the HD800S sounds shrill as well. So do I recommend the ADX5000? Yes, I, I do. And I think this is something we should absolutely be taking seriously. So for my overall score, based on my weighting for the things that I value, this gets an 8.3 out of 10. Once again, I think this should be a little bit less expensive than it is. I think it should be closer to around $1,700 to compete directly with 
the HD800S. Uh, but overall, I still think this is a good headphone. Anyways, that does it for this video. If you like what I do, consider subscribing, and I'll see you guys in the next video. Bye for now.